Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Well, good morning. Welcome to a brand new day. It is a pleasure to have you with us for another edition of KSL Outdoors Radio here on a Saturday morning. And we're, of course, recording this program as live on Thursday for your enjoyment here this morning. And hopefully, as you listen, uh, you're uh, looking at a beautiful weather day. It does look like it's going to be drying out Saturday and Sunday. So just in time for you to get outside and enjoy some things or get some things done around the house in the backyard. Uh, but uh, more rain coming Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. And obviously that does raise more concerns about flooding situations and the dangers of being around our uh, rivers and streams. We're going to talk a little about that this morning. Tim Hughes in studio here and a rare appearance in studio actually from uh, Bob Grove, who makes his way up from southern Utah, where where you've probably had 90-degree temperatures for a while now, haven't you? It's been you? nice. Uh, we got on Sunday we. On Sunday, we got a incredible thunderstorm that was monsoonal-like. I mean, it came in and just drenched the place in 20 minutes. Our road was flooded. We had dime-size uh, hailstone covered the grass. I mean, it came in and left almost as fast as it came. It Down there in L.A. Verkin? In L.A. Verkin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're getting beautiful weather now. We haven't hit triple digits yet, but I anticipate that will probably come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't on with us last week because you had another tour. Yeah, I was gone on a Mighty Five tour last week. I had a great group. I had uh, five couples from, you know, Florida, Georgia, Rhode Island, North Carolina. It was I, a great group. I'm always curious, and I don't know that I've asked you this question uh, before, but how do they – I'm sure you poll them a little bit about how they found out about you, what made them want to come to Utah. What kind of answers do you get for from people that are from that part of the country? Well, you know, it used to be that they had heard the Mighty Five campaign, you know, that the state tourism office put out there. Which is good. Yeah, it went all over. It was global, and it became well-known for that. And I asked them that. I asked them if they knew about the Mighty Five, and they didn't. So I was surprised to hear that. Um, But, you know, it's just, you know, the parks. They know the names of the parks. Uh, They may not know where the parks are located, but they know the names. And so when, you know, when they identify them as being in Utah, and then they find the tour company. So they just do Google searches. That's that's how our tour company is found most of the time. It's yeah. just in a Google search, and we pop up. Quickly. Well, I, 
I've got a buddy and his wife that are coming over from uh, England, actually just outside of London, and the first thing they wanted to go see was Arches, uh, and we're going to squeeze Bryce in there, and we're still trying to juggle how to get all that done in three or four days. But yeah, we'll make sure make... you get your reservation. Yeah, exactly. I have to say though, I I was not in favor. I wasn't a fan of the idea of the reservation, but now that we're into the second year and I've experienced it. I actually like it. Yeah. We're going to be down. uh, I'm taking them down the first weekend of August, uh, that third, fourth, and fifth or something like that. And that reservation window doesn't open until the first of June. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on that day, I'll be jumping on to make sure we get a window of opportunity. Yeah, you'll want to because you not only do you want to get a reservation, you want to get a reservation at the time you want to enter the park. And I would recommend early. Yeah. All right. uh, Navidomskis is with us today and uh, still at an undisclosed camping location. (laughs) We will just say this. He's along the river, the uh, Weber River, I should specify, uh, with the, uh, uh, the old RV up there. Sounds like you've got a sweet spot, though, sir. Yeah, you know, the RV isn't old, but I am. <laughs> um, yeah, we're up on the Weber. It's uh, it's usually I can't see it out of my window of my RV, but I can see it now. We're keeping a close eye on it. Yeah, I was going to – we were joking before we jumped in for our conversation on the air here that uh, by the time we're done with the show, it may be closer to your front door than it was a few minutes ago. We've got warm temperatures, afternoon showers, and my guess is – uh, it probably comes up a little bit every afternoon or late at night anyway. Yeah, well, we strolled along to see how many more feet we had yesterday. There are some who are forecasting, we're taping on Thursday, to be the crest of the year. I hope that's the case, but you never know. We could go 90 degrees next week with some rain, and then who knows what could happen. But, yeah, so far so good. And we're keeping it at arm's length. Yeah, there was uh, quite a bit of talk this week uh, to fishermen, and I, I'm glad you're on to, to help talk about this. You know, we always refer to how's the fishing in these kinds of waters when it's running fast and high and cold. But what they want to focus on now at the division is how safe is it for a fisherman to actually be out there, even along the banks. You certainly don't want to be standing in that water right now because if you lose your footing or something, uh, they may not find you d- downstream somewhere. You know, um, as you know, I'm an angler, and I have a. I even do radio about fishing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to tell you: do not be a fool. There's no fishing worth trying to navigate this river. Just fish somewhere else for a month. You'll be fine. You'll get over it. Don't even chance it. And most of all, don't bring your children. Yeah. Oh, that's so important. Um, yeah, and there, it, that was the message, actually, was even with years and years of experience, it's just something you don't want to mess with. You, we've seen the power of water uh, in many cases, Bob, but you've got waterfalls down there in your part of the state that haven't been there probably in your lifetime. Yeah, in fact, uh, you, you know, everybody, most everybody's heard of Canara Falls in uh, Canaraville, very popular slot canyon hike with falls in it. That they had to close for a while because the water, I mean, normally the water is maybe ankle deep, a little deeper than that, but it was coming up to thigh deep and and deeper. So they had to close that off. Back on April 28th, a 25-year-old Canadian woman got into the Virgin River and was washed away. She was got lodged on a log. Uh, search and rescue came and got her, but she had stopped breathing at that point, but they brought her back. Wow. So it's it's nothing to fool around with. Stay away from it. Yeah. We had uh, uh, 
not Paul Phillips, Cam Phillips on from uh, Strawberry Bay Marina these past couple of weeks talking about how the ice was pulling back on Strawberry, but Navi, it's the Strawberry River that's getting all the attention, and uh, there was a fisherman there by the name of Ken Stevens who said, I've never seen the water out of the riverbanks. He stopped by the reservoir to do some fishing, and he said, it's just clear out into the fields and both sides and clear up the boardwalk. Pretty amazing. You know, it's so interesting, Tim, that we have young people in this state who have never seen the rivers in the state that they're in now. But I'm old, and I can tell you that, you know, this this is not the time to fish. People aren't used to seeing things. I mean, all year long with the skiing, people were like, wow, this is crazy. But honestly, this is the way it used to be. We had a big runoff. I've seen the river, the Weaver, higher than it is now, even though this was record snow. I've seen the river much higher, but we are better. I mean, the infrastructure that they put in place after 83 is actually working. So I'm very optimistic about our outlook as far as flooding over the next month. Yeah. You've been on the bike at all this week? No, I thought about getting on it, but, you know, I haven't yet. But I got it. I'm getting ready. I got my stuff loaded up. I want to keep it going, keep the cycling going. I only brought it up because I wanted to make a professional transition into something I forgot to talk about last week. And, Bob, I don't know, maybe you've done this. Have you biked into Yellowstone National Park just before they open it up to cars? Yeah, it's usually, yeah in April, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on the, you know, the snow conditions. It was later but, this year than it Yeah, later been. than normal. But, yeah, it's a great time because there's no... Tra- traffic in there there's no automobiles and yeah. so you have the park to yourself on your bike and it's a wonderful experience i, I grabbed an article i think it was on uh, ksl.com uh it was actually written by clark corbin uh from the idaho capital sun have you done this navi there's a short window just before uh, they get the roads cleared but they uh don't let cars into the park yet and people can ride their bikes in there it just looks like a great experience i'm surprised you didn't ask me straight out of course this is epic the only thing you got to worry about, there's some big chuck holes. After the winter, with that geothermic underneath and the snow on top, it tends to bump them up pretty good. Yeah. But it's wonderful because I've done it in every month. Uh, I've done it in August, done it in July as well. And, you know, that rear-view mirror on those RVs will knock that crap out of you if they hit you in the head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to be able to do it when there's no cars on the road is just right. fantastic. The one thing. Just Buffalo. Yeah. And, and those will slow you down, too. But yeah. uh, we missed the opportunity this year. But I would really like to try this some year, and we'll coordinate closer with uh, Clyde Seeley or somebody up there at Three Bear and see if they can keep us on top of exactly when it's going to occur. But this year – Yellowstone National Park opened up a 49-mile uh, section of main roads from the east entrance, or excuse me, west entrance, north to the Norris Geyser Basin and continued to Mammoth Hot Springs for bicyclists on uh, the 7th of April. And then I guess the next week or so, next next few days, they opened it up to cars. The one thing is you got to dress warm, obviously, because it's cold that time of year up there. Yeah, it still is. You know that's a, that's quite a ride. Go ahead, Navi. We're going to do it. It's done. It's on the books. Thanks for reminding me. It's not that bad. A windbreaker and some, you know, Felicia's thing is plenty. Because uh, you're riding hard, and absolutely we're in. We're going to put that on the calendar. We'll broadcast from Seeley's property. That would be a lot of fun to get done. Uh, last year, by the way, Yellowstone hosted 3.3 million recreational visits, so I don't think you want to be on the roads on those days on your bicycle. No, and there's not a lot of shoulder there, so. <laughs> yeah, but to me, among the first, while the animals are still, I guess, pretty laid back uh, because they don't have the crowds to bother, it would be so great.
Yeah, it was kind of like during COVID. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no cars. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Charlie Jennings is going to join us. He uh, reached out to me because he just finished up another mule ride down in Bryce Canyon along the Henderson Rim. want to find out how that went. So stay with us. That's coming up next here on KSL Outdoors Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, the search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, before we uh, get on with it, I know normally we'd be doing our news of the week here, but I uh, saw some great pictures and uh, had Charlie Jennings reach out to me a couple of days ago about another one of his mule rides he was out on that just looked fantastic, other than maybe some inclement weather that passed through. Navi, so I thought we'd bring WYO Charlie into the conversation. When's the last time you talked to him? It's been so long, WYO. Hey, let me tell you something. I need to buy another tent. That great Hilleberg that you sold me, my son inherited it, and then my other son was insanely jealous. So you know I had to buy one for him, too. <laughs> that well, leaves you without one. Uh, yeah, so those two boys invited me to float the Salmon River this summer, so I told Gail, looks like we've got to buy another Hilleberg for you and I. I can hook you up, Navi. Those are the best damn tents ever, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you. I've had a few things inherited out of my garage. I didn't know about it until I went looking for them the next time, <laughs> and they were gone. Uh, but I'm sure they're in my uh, kids' trunks of either of their vehicles. All right. Tell me about this mule ride. Uh, and by the way, that rig that you're pulling down the road these days is impressive. Pretty long. It's uh, about the, the box itself is 31 feet. Yeah. And then it's got the gooseneck, and then I got my... Uh, uh, pick up, but it pulls great. You just got to take super wide turns when you're going around corners. Have you bought more mules since we last talked? Nope. Still got three. Okay. That's, I got room for three and that's it. Yeah. All right. So you headed down to Bryce, which, uh, one of the last times we talked to you, and maybe that was a year ago, you were down there, uh, for a ride, but I'm unfamiliar with the Henderson rim area. So explain where that is. Well, once a year, uh, the Bryce Canyon Mule Days is held typically around uh, the 1st of May. And uh, it's got quite of a mix of things. They've got a clinic down there put on by Ty Evans, a uh, great mulemanship clinic. They've got a bunch of rides uh, in the mornings and afternoons during the week as well uh, that are guided rides. And then Saturday, they have an auction where um, – trainers will bring uh experienced trainers will bring mules to to sell and they they've got buyers on site and they've got buyers online and uh one of the mules sold for thirty thousand dollars whoa um so yeah it's it's a lot of fun down there they've been doing it about seven years but henderson rim is just one of the one of a dozen rides down there we um uh, they took us out in the middle of nowhere over by uh, just south of Antimony, Utah, if you've heard of Antimony. Yeah. 
And uh, <clears throat> anyway, we parked at the trailhead there, and we went up through some beautiful ponderosa uh, pines. And then we got up on the, this rim, and I'll tell you, that picture I sent you, uh, the reason why I was holding on with both hands is that just to the right of me, there was like a, a thousand foot drop. <gasps> and so, so we're ca- the, you were counting on the mule to do the right thing at that point. Yes. Yeah. And she was fine. She was relaxed. It was me that was going, hurry up and take the picture. Cause I'm going to get off this edge here. <laughs> uh, the wind was blowing probably 40 miles an hour. We got up there. It started snowing too. Uh, that time of year. And plus with this winter, anything goes, uh, we just ran into all kinds of weather, but it was great. Yeah. Still snow on the red rocks. I'm sure. Wasn't there? Yeah, there is. Uh, in fact, there's a huge plateau down there. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, Powell Point gets up to over 10,000 feet. They had to cancel that ride because on the north side there was three feet of snow. Oh, wow. And so they're not going to open up that ride for another month. Navi, you know this. Uh, Bryce Canyon during the summer is one thing, but Bryce Canyon in the winter, when you can see the snow on those on that sandstone down there, is just fantastic. You know, Tim, um, I love it being down there and seeing how gorgeous that is, but I know nothing about a mule. The only thing I know about mules is a Moscow mule, and the only thing I know about a rim. <laughs> that comes in a, a copper rim, cup, I think. Yeah, the rim <laughs> must have salt. Yeah. That, I've had a few of those when I was hanging out with you, actually. Um, Charlie, talk to me about these uh, mules, because you traded one out in the middle of this process, didn't you? One that uh, maybe you two didn't get on so well? Well, the first one I bought, it it only had one good eye. Uh, you know, the, the, right, the right eyes she just couldn't see out of, and she was spooky. She was nervous, cautious, and uh i'm 65 going on 66 and uh just started riding a year and a half ago and she she was pretty wound up one day about six months ago and i didn't wasn't paying close enough attention and i got bucked off and went airborne and so i thought nah, i don't need that at my age and i lucked out and found a gorgeous another mule on ksl classifieds (laughs) and she has been perfect um, I had to, her and I need to learn how to communicate with each other. And fortunately, one of the, one of the trainers and sellers, uh, from Montpelier, Idaho was down in tropic during this week, uh, or during the week that we were there. And he says, I remember that mule. I sold her at the Jake Clark auction in Wyoming three years ago. She was great. Oh, wow. And, uh, he said, you want me to get on her and show you some rain management techniques and show you how to how to communicate with her? And I go, heck yeah. And so I took a bunch of videos, and boy, he got in the saddle, and she's just like a fine-tuned Mercedes, but I just didn't know how to work the buttons. That's great. And, uh, and then when I got on and started implementing those things, it was as if she was saying, who taught you this? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, we have less than a minute here, but uh, talk to me for just okay. just briefly. I've hiked down into Bryce, but never gone on the horseback rides in there. It's a whole different experience, isn't it? It really is. Uh, there's an absolutely beautiful ride uh, called Thunder Mountain. Um, that uh, there are some mountain bikers that use it, but on a mule, you just relax and. Uh, they follow the butt in front of them, 
and it's just really relaxing. You don't get exhausted. You get to enjoy the scenery. Um, you're not winded, and uh, you let the mule do the work. Yeah. But it's a it's a fun way to explore Bryce Canyon. Yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, thanks for always sending the pictures to us, too. Uh, Navi, sure. hang, hang on. We're going to go from talking mules to talking uh, horses up at the National Ability Center. Marcy is going to join us. I think her last name's Bender. Marcy Bender, who uh, handles and runs the equestrian program up there. They've got a great uh, fundraising event that's coming up. Charlie, great to talk with you. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's good to talk to both of you. All right, we'll take a break. News update next, and then uh, we'll get into the back half hour here. Navi's going to stick around, too, because we have a fish bites to share with you next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.